Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Roy's enjoying some time off. But the show must go on. The Roy Green Show with guest host Andrew Lawton continues on the Chorus Radio Network. I love social media. Let me actually clarify that statement. I tolerate social media. I recognize its value to the work that I do, and I'm glad that I have it. It lets me communicate with people. But I'm also coming at this past the point that youth today are at, which is where social media is not a work tool, but it's a part of their upbringing. They don't really know a world without it. It's integral to their existence, and for that reason, it's also defining the way that youth develop, the way that youth engage with each other and interact with each other. If you're a parent or work with children at all, this is an interview you must hear. A new book was released a couple of weeks ago called American Girls by Nancy Jo Sales. Now, Nancy Jo Sales is an award-winning journalist and author. She has really gone into the underworld, if you will, not the criminal underworld, the digital underworld, to try to go inside the minds of the youth today that are seeing social media in its good ways and in its bad ways. Things like cyberbullying, sexting, blackmailing. These are all part of this world that I'm not sure parents necessarily are aware of, let alone understand. I'm very pleased to welcome Nancy Joe Sales to the program now. Nancy Joe, thanks very much for your time today. Thank you. Hi. Hi. So you've written this book, American Girls, but everything I've read about it, I think, could be applied to Canadians here as well. Let's talk first off about your motivation for writing it, because I know you've written a lot of journalistic pieces that have really tried to go into the minds of youth today, and specifically young girls. And was it that you, through the course of researching this, realized, you know what, there's a lot more than a magazine article here, and and is that why it sort of expanded into a whole book? Yeah, I did a magazine article on this subject for Vanity Fair, and when it went online, it went viral, and I saw that there were you know, millions of people read it, and I saw that it was an issue not just in America, but really all over the world. I was getting emails from people in Europe and Australia, Canada, all over the world talking about problems that uh, parents and kids were having with social media. We know that you know texting is a way that people communicate in a, a more, I'll say, more as a, re- a point of reliance now than than they used to. We know that a lot of uh, young teens and, and preteens, for that matter, as well, are are putting a lot of stock into their social standing, and they're defining that by how many likes and, and shares they get. 
But what are the the more negative consequences of that? Because I think a lot of parents would look at this and say, oh, whatever, that's just how kids are today. But it seems like it's really inflamed other issues. Yeah, it has. I mean, if you want to talk purely on the level of validation, you know, that's a problem when you're a young person, you're just coming of age, you're just trying to figure out who, who am I? Who am I in this world? And to sort of constantly be under pressure to present a self online that will attract attention and attract likes and followers, uh, it puts a challenge to young people in terms of developing a kind of authentic self. I mean, we are all engaged in self-promotion on social media, but when you're, you know, a middle school student, 13, 14 years old, you have to be thinking about, well, what's going to get me the most attention here? Um, I think is especially challenging for girls when those sorts of posts and pictures often involve what's called sexualization, girls dressing or posing in provocative poses. And this is something that um, is, you know, really influenced by the wider culture and, and the sexualization of girls that goes on beyond social media. Yeah, I wanted to ask a little bit about that gender divide here, because the book American Girls obviously puts more of a spotlight on uh, young females, and that uh, seems to comprise the bulk of your research here. Is this not a problem that I think uh, applies to both young boys and young girls? There are pressures on boys as well, of course, but I think that the pressure of sexualization affects girls more, and that's borne out in studies and in interviews with over 200 girls all over the United States, I heard uh, the same lament over and over. You know, if I put up a picture of myself with my dog or with my little sister at my soccer game, I'll get five likes. But uh, you see a girl put a picture in a bikini or showing cleavage, you know, that gets 100 likes or 150 likes. So even if a girl doesn't necessarily buy into that, or even if she's very critical of it, and, and has a capacity to analyze it, which a lot of girls in my book do. Um, a lot of girls in my book are, are really very feminist, whether or not they would call it that and how they, they view all of this. They still see that it's, it's a fact of life right now. It's a, it's, a, it's a condition under which they all are sort of living and having to grapple with, you know? If they are aware of it, and as you've said, they can look at it critically, why aren't they just settling for the five-like dog picture? I mean, why do they feel the need to really go for that mass uh, sort of appreciation by going into that sexualization thing? Because it seems to be a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy here where this furthers it, but then it seems to go back and become very cyclical. That's a very good question. I mean, some do. Some do reject social media, but I think in small numbers so far, or they reject sexualization in small numbers so far, because I think, uh, the, you know, the tide is so overwhelming. You know, they feel, a lot of them feel so overwhelmed by it because it's not just on social media, it's in movies, advertising. Uh, you know, the American Psychological Association in 2007 uh, published a landmark report about sexualization of girls and how it affects them, and it's really, it's really in all aspects of our culture. Social media seems to have exacerbated it because... There is uh, so much focus on image, on appearance, and it's not necessarily just sexualized appearance. It's also this kind of pressure to be perfect, to look happy, and as if everything's just perfect in your life and to have this perfect image, and you might edit your pictures with, you know, apps that whiten your teeth or make your waist smaller. I mean, these are, you know, really kind of, I, I believe, and girls believe too, that spoke to me, unhealthy 
activities for girls, you know, who are just trying to figure out who they are and become comfortable in their own skin as they grow and change. Yeah, I remember, I think it was maybe a year or two ago, there was this viral sensation online where people were doing no makeup selfies on Instagram. And I remember reading some of the criticism about it and and what uh, girls specifically were trying to do is put on makeup that made it look like they weren't wearing makeup just to take a picture and say, this is what I look like without makeup. And and I think grownups were looking at this and going, okay, come on, this is ridiculous. This is just youth being silly. But there's, I think, a deeper problem here that you've identified in your book, which is that where is that pressure coming from to pretend that you are perfect? Because social media, as much as we want to believe or pretend that it's this direct line into your real life, it is this sanitized, focus group, poll-tested life, it seems. Yeah, I don't ever look at them as being silly. I mean, I think one of the things, um, if you read my book, you pick it up, one of the things I really try and do is take them very seriously and listen to them. And a lot of the book is just dialogue of them talking. I mean, edited dialogue of their thoughts and their, uh, their reports of what's going on in their schools and their communities on social media. I, I, I take girls seriously and I think that we have to listen to them. And I think that through listening to them, we'll, we'll really begin to understand much better what is going on. I think very often parents just give their kids a phone. They, you know, think of it, um, as a game, as one girl said, you know, parents think this is just a game, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a dangerous game in some ways. Going into this, you had obviously, as you mentioned earlier, written the Vanity Fair article, but you interviewed dozens and dozens of these young ladies. Were there any surprises for you, things that even you, knowing the vision you had for this book, didn't anticipate learning in your conversations with them? I had no idea the level of sexual harassment that goes on on social media. I had no idea the level of acceptance of a kind of what I can only call sexism that goes on online, uh, sexualized comments, um, texting, which I, and sexting, which I include in social media because it is, um, mm-hmm. you know, very often we're seeing uh, behaviors which, you know, are, 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 are really very challenging to them. I mean, there's a, a kind of, line of argument that says, well, sexting is just a new kind of flirting. It's healthy. It's wholesome. It's just a new way that kids have sex. And we're grown-ups and we're not growing up in the digital age and we just don't get it. But I think that that line of argument really dismisses or ignores the ways in which sexting isn't just about sex. It's sometimes about manipulation. And as you mentioned earlier, blackmail um, pressure you know, sometimes sexting doesn't occur in some environment of, of real, you know, wholesome intimacy. And, and it occurs in a pressured environment in which, you know, there are demands made on giving nude pictures. And if they're, they're not, these demands aren't met, then there's threats about, well, then I'll do this to you or I'll, I'll pretend like you did send this picture of this other person and I'll spread it around. Sometimes when girls send naked pictures, they are spread around very often. I heard about this in, you know, from many, many girls, girls either happen to them or friends of theirs where they send a nude picture to a boy and it winds up being shown to the whole school or it winds up what's called a slut page in America. I don't know if you have the same thing there. Uh, we, we had a very famous case of a, of a young girl that killed herself after a video was shared of her uh, here in Canada a couple of years ago. So yeah, this is something that we have as well. Well, Amanda Todd, I think you're referring to was one of the, reasons why I started doing this work. I wanted to know, uh, were these isolated cases, we've had cases like that in America too, were these isolated cases or was it a more widespread problem? And yeah, so in other words, sexting can often lead to cyberbullying, uh, slut shaming, 
and and terrible outcomes for girls. I talked to girls who uh, were were driven to the brink of suicide attempts, and even just you know if it's not that extreme of an outcome, sometimes it's like you know it just it's just something that ruins your day, ruins your from ruins your day to ruins your life. You know, girls having to change schools. Wow. What is the solution to it, if we can boil it down to something so simple? I mean, uh, one of the big problems, I think, if we look culturally, is that parents are not really as engaged in their children's lives right now. As you you mentioned, they may just give their son or daughter a phone and and say, have at it. So, I mean, is this something where parents need to be doing more, or is there a bigger shift that needs to happen to move past this? Well, I think one thing we all need to do is recognize um, this is a new kind of childhood. It's a new kind of coming of age. This technology is new and unprecedented and powerful. Uh, the minimizing uh, line of argument that says, oh, well, you know, things have always been this way. Kids have always been interested in sex. Of course they have. You know, kids have always bullied each other. Of course they have. But what's different is that it's constant. It's all the time. Kids are available to each other on multiple platforms. If you're being bullied in school, um, you have no, you know, there, there's no uh, escape from it because your bully or bulliers have access to you all the time on, in multiple ways and can make, make their bully known publicly. Nancy Jo Sales joining me on the line, award-winning journalist and author of this latest book, American Girls. Nancy Jo, thank you very much for shining the light on this. It's greatly appreciated, and happy Easter to you. You too. All right. Thanks very much, Nancy Joe.